1: to where you can actually go off and do your own thing
0: This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier Darn right it is welcome
1: into the show It
0: is a pre-Friday
1: celebration One of the greatest days of the entire week And we are here ready to rock and roll For a whole nother day Welcome into the Voice of Reason I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in wichita kansas on our flagship radio station all over the country on radio tv live streaming and of course the podcasting thereafter as well thanks for hanging out your millennial general reporting for duty today the way we do every day although i have to admit and bear with me today i have a wicked headache right now and i don't know why it came on about hour two hours ago kind of dull lingering and it's starting to subside i have taken a little bit of something for it but hey it's just it's it's brutal hate headaches i used to get them really bad really frequently but uh hasn't been too terribly bad lately so we will power through as we do every single day and i'm excited there's some fun news we'll talk about there's some interesting news we'll get to but if i am a space cadet today (laughs) now you know why uh, bottom of the hour, we got Joe Pinion coming on the program. He is a host on Newsmax TV. He's also a candidate for the U.S. Senate, going up against none other than the man himself, Chuck Schumer. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have Joe Pinion coming on the program in just a little bit. There was a... Massive breaking news yesterday, of course, that everybody talks about with the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Beyer that has chosen to retire and step down. Now, as I told you yesterday, that there is never, ever a time when a Supreme Court Justice steps down on their own timing. It's all political. It is timed out when they want to. Uh, it, is a, it is a thing to where they plan it strategically for whatever party is in power to be able to choose the next Supreme Court justice to fill their vacancy. They want it for their legacy to continue on to not have someone come in and reverse whatever legacy that they've created right or left. And they also uh, are kind of pushed or leaned or strongly encouraged by one political party or another to do it at a certain time. So with that being said, Yesterday was the news to where they announced that they were going to step down, and we talked about it in great length, I think, yesterday, where we broke it down. And, of course, the Joe Biden administration has said that they want to uh, create a new slot for a black woman to be nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court. All right. So, of course, they play the identity politics. doesn't matter the qualification. doesn't matter whether you're actually actually qualified for the position or not. It's all strategic on, you know, we want a minority woman to be on the U.S. Supreme Court because that's what we care about nowadays. Well, lower the quality if we have to a little bit. Not I'm saying that a minority woman wouldn't be qualified for it, but they're going to choose that as the number one criteria for them as opposed to their qualifications. I, I heard this rumor yesterday. And I dismissed it not thinking that it would actually be anything at all. And I kind of laughed it off because I didn't think she would want to do it. However, it's been still been lingering today. And the more I kind of pondered it throughout the day, I realized that there could be some validity to this, not based on her recommendation or her choice, but based on the Democrat Party going into a midterm election and looking at things in the broad sense. And that is uh, with Kamala Harris potentially as the vice president, the current vice president being chosen as the U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Now, she would be god-awful, but she does have a legal background, as she was the attorney general for the state of California. Uh, So she has some bit of a legal background to her. She was a horrible doing a horrible job at it, but nonetheless, she was the attorney general. Now, she would not want this position because she doesn't get the limelight, she doesn't get the publicity, and she would be on that position for life until she chose to step down. It really would take her away from... Uh, being the politician that she likes to be, having the power that she likes to have, it would really take her away from everything that she has strived so hard to do because you wouldn't get that. You wouldn't be allowed to be political. So that would kind of deter her right there and negate her from being qualified for that position in any way, shape or form, being the most progressive U.S. senator on this on, in the Senate before she became vice president and even ran for president in the first place. So she would have to get rid of all the politics, which she would be horrible at doing, but it really wouldn't change anything on the U.S. Supreme Court. But would she even want to do it? That's question number one. Question number two is why would the Democrats do it? Well, it's a win-win for the Democrats if they chose Kamala Harris to become a U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Is because number one, they would get her out of her hair, get her out of the hair of Joe Biden, because obviously she's not tracking any approval ratings right now. Nobody likes her, even on the Democrat side. She was supposed to be the fill-in for when Joe Biden accidentally. And I say that with air quotes, accidentally stepped down to try and tie his shoes and fell down the stairs of the White House. And oh no, he's totally not capable of being president any longer. What you know is going to happen at some point. They've just been not doing it right now because Kamala Harris is even least popular than what uh, Joe Biden is right now going into a midterm election. They've had to keep her underground, they've had to keep her silent, and it hasn't worked out for her very well at all. So, The Democrats would get a win-win. They would open up the vice president to choose a more popular candidate that could eventually take over when Joe Biden falls and slips down the stairs. And oopsies, we don't know what happened. They would be able to take over and slide in very easily with a more popular candidate. They would be able to create a new uh, bit of momentum and energy going into the Democrats' in the Democrat Party going into a midterm election. So for the Democrat Party themselves, it would be a great win-win situation. For her, not so much. She has really, 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 really wanted to be president of the United States. That's why she ran for president when she was a young freshman senator. That's why she chose to be VP under a Biden administration, knowing he wouldn't last the entire four years, knowing that she would get that opportunity. And it hasn't happened because nobody likes her even on the Democrat side, even her own staff that uh, continues to lose and walk away every single day. So I I kind of brushed it off yesterday when I heard that as a potential. But the more I thought about it, I mean, if she's strong armed and the Democrats are really, really concerned about a congressional loss in the midterm elections, then sure, I could totally see them nominating her and kind of strong arming her and saying, this is the best you're going to get. Shut up and just go along with it. Now, that leads to another question of Republicans, what they would do to support her or not support her in the midterm elections. I don't think they would, number one, because she's very political. Number two, she's very progressive as an activist judge or would be an activist judge. And number three, they don't want the Democrats getting any momentum going into a midterm election. So they want her to continue to shoot herself in the in the foot. They want her to continue to put her uh, put her shot and foot in her mouth. Like how I tied the two together (laughs) and uh, continuously making a bad reputation for the Democrat Party as we get closer to election season. Republicans want that. So it would be difficult to get her in there anyways, which I'm sure is on the back of the mind of the Democrats and the DNC if that's what they choose to do. But remember, Democrats work in a massive umbrella to where you get the nice little point at the top that makes all of the decisions and it just snowballs down. That's why they despise Joe Manchin right now. They despise any moderate Democrat that's not going along with the agenda because they want them to all just get in line to shut up and just go along with whatever they choose. And the fact that it's not happening right now means that the, uh, the, Zen of the Democrat Party has been disrupted. The AOCs and the B-Squad has disrupted Nancy Pelosi and the House of Representatives right now. Joe Manchin has been disrupting the Senate right now. And Kamala Harris has been disrupting the executive branch with the Biden administration right now because they're not getting what they wanted out of her. So there's a little bit of a shakeup in every field. So I don't I I personally still don't think they're going to nominate her, but I see it as a potential option if they get that desperate. Would it help them and would that actually work? I don't really know. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. We spent a lot of time on that yesterday. We can pick the brain of Joe Minya uh, opinion when he gets on the program in just a little bit. But I I don't see that happening. But I guess a little bit more credibility has increased uh, for that possibility. I don't know. He said he wants to make a decision by the end of February. I would find that hilarious if they did boot Kamala Harrison to the Supreme Court and say, go away, just do your thing. You have have a lifelong job right now. Just go away and just do your thing because we got better plans without you. But I kind of don't want them to do it because right now they're kind of struggling and having the internal war. And it's kind of fun to watch from the other side of the aisle. The other big news today. Can we say what's trending today? Let's do that.
0: What's trending today? The other
1: big headline has been from the media today where they are just loving the Joe Biden economy. I mean, this is seriously the delusion that's going on in the world today. And I again reference Jim Cramer for CNBC. To
0: me, we have the strongest economy perhaps I have ever seen since.
1: All right, so... That's what this is the mindset. And this is, again, their way of trying to polish the dog pile out in the yard where they're trying to make it look as good as possible. The headline today was that the U.S. economy and the GDP in 2021 grew by 5.7%, the fastest full year growth since 1984, which, let's remember, was during the Reagan administration. So let's just. <laughs> That was after the Jimmy Carter era with massive inflation, massive hikes in the interest rates and how terrible everything was that Ronald Reagan came in, was able to actually get the economy back on track by deregulating, by cutting taxes and getting the private sector back up and going again. Now, did that same policy happen in 2021 for us to get a 5.7 percent increase in the GDP to get us the fastest growth since 1984? No, that was not the case. And we'll explain why. During the COVID pandemic, there is a great graph, and you can go to msn.com, which they're the ones that kind of you know shot themselves in the foot here as well, trying to show how great Biden is when showing that he really didn't do anything great here. Because you need to remember this. When the Democrats start doing their talking points going into election season again and saying, look, the Biden administration, the Democrats, we saved the economy from COVID. That's going to be their number one talking point because that's all they have. And they really didn't. But they're going to try and play it off as they did. I mean, we did see growth. That's a positive. I'm not going to poo-poo that anyway because, you know what, I want to see economic growth regardless of what political aisle is in there, regardless of what administration is in. I want to say, you know what, even though I don't agree with their politics, they did something good or something good happened during their administration, and we can uh, be praised for that. Number two, There are two things at play here. Number one, it was the first year of the Biden administration, and everybody, anybody that knows anything knows that— There's something called Reaganomics in the private sector that regardless of whatever political decisions you make, there is a delay in economic policy. That's number one. So the Trump policies of lower taxes, less regulation, that sort of thing, was a residual effect going into the first year or two of a next administration. In this place, it would be Trump going into the Biden administration. The Biden administration spent massive amounts of money, On COVID relief. They spent massive amounts of money on investments. They spent massive amounts of money on their infrastructure plan. They tried to spend massive amounts of money into a Build Back Better plan. All of that stuff could do a little bit of an immediate response to the economy. Long term, it's going to be disastrous. And we won't feel that for another three or four or five years when things really take hold and the bubble actually bursts. I think it could be a little bit sooner, but who knows? I'm not an economic expert, so don't quote me on that. But this is the trend that we normally see in politics. you got to put this in perspective. So, number one, the Trump administration still had residual growth after trying to get things back on track during the COVID pandemic and into the first year of the Biden administration where we saw 5.7% growth. Number two, yes, we saw the growth. And I will give credit to msn.com right now. If you want to go and see that, where it shows the headline of U.S. economy grew 5.7%, fastest uh, full year clip since 1984, despite ongoing pandemic. Blah, 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 blah. If you go and see the chart, it really goes against their own narrative. And I see I have 30 seconds, so I'll a little tease this and we'll explain it more when we come back. But it goes against their own narrative because they show the potential, the outlying potential growth of the GDP. And if you know anything about the government economics or the budget, they have a potential GDP growth outlook for a 10-year span. So they know the trajectory, if it goes smoothly, if there's no uproots like a global pandemic that shuts everything down, what the economy could potentially look like. The good news is that we're almost back on track with the expected GDP growth and online of where we were supposed to be if a pandemic never happened. We were above that projection during the Trump administration. Obviously it took a dive in 2020 when the economy got shut down. At the end of 2021, we're almost back on track. So do we give credit to the Biden administration for almost being back on track? I say no, and we'll explain why when we come back. It's economic growth that the media is trying to spin in favor of the Biden administration, and I think it's failing miserably. The
0: Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Hey, it's Andy Hoosier with the Voice of Reason. Fighting for conservative principles seems more difficult all the time. at who's republic
0: you're listening to the voice of reason with andy Hoosier. Right, i know i threw
1: a lot at you in that last segment i apologize for that a lot of people's eyes are glazing over right now i'll be like andy I don't know what you're talking about right now. Why are you throwing all these numbers at us? Here's the sad part about it. This is the way my brain works, even with a massive headaches. So, yeah, this is what calms my brain down thinking about these things. But this is the way. Let's break it down for you for a second here, shall we? We had great economic growth. The GDP was actually above what was potential or projected through the budget. During the budgetary process and the appropriations process, we have a budget outlook for 10 years. Now, we don't necessarily always look at it. We don't always necessarily apply it. Because, obviously, we haven't passed a federal budget in a very long time since the Obama administration. We pass appropriations bills. We pass the omnibus bills to where everything's lumped in instead of a broken-down 12-piece budget that the House of Representatives is supposed to be doing. We haven't done that in a long time. But within those things, there is a projection of about a 10-year outlook on the way the GDP is supposed to grow, the way the economy is supposed to grow, the way government spending is supposed to grow, so we can track all of these things. Now. In that projected number, we were above those projections the last year of the Trump administration. We were doing well. The economy was cranking. Uh, it kind of floated back and forth beforehand. But we had come up, and we had actually come from the Obama administration before that. We are well below those potential GDP growth. The economy was not growing. It was not doing well. Trump came in. Boom. We came right back to where we were supposed to be and even above that a little bit. The COVID-19 pandemic hit, and it plummeted below those gdp expectations obviously we shut the uh, the economy down and it's taken us a while to come back up now this is the same play that the media tried to do with the job growth in the country when uh, biden took office saying that joe biden created six million jobs in the nation it, it's not true Technically, yes, six million jobs were put back into the workforce. Joe Biden had nothing to do with it except for saying, let's get the economy opened up somewhat again. That was more states saying, screw you, uh, federal government. We're not going to listen to you and your guidelines anymore. We're going to do it ourselves. So I give 99% of that credit to the states where they said, we're just going to open ourselves up because we can't afford to do this any longer. Six million jobs came back because people went back to work. They weren't new jobs. They were jobs that were previously held that were suspended temporarily for a COVID pandemic and put back in place. Now we're starting to actually grow the economy again. The economy saw a 5.7% GDP growth for the end of 2021. That is good news. Not because of Biden, mostly because of the Trump policies that were still in effect that had that residual growth in the economy and trying to regain. But at the same time, we came back. We're back to square one. We are just under the potential outlook of GDP growth in the nation, which means we're about right on track of where we're supposed to be. It's nothing growing. It's nothing above and beyond. It's not making it better than what it was projected to be. It's back on track. So why is the media claiming that it's a big victory for the Biden administration and how we're seeing the best U.S. economic recovery since 1984 with growth? It's because that's all they have. They can't show actual growth. They're just applauding themselves for getting us back on track somewhat from what we actually saw with a major hit and a major loss. That's not a bad thing, but you can't take all the credit for it. And sure, we saw economic growth at 5.7%. That's 5.7% that we had lost along with so much others that we had lost over the last two years because of the pandemic. All we're doing is getting back to square one. That's happy to do. We should be plotting that. But you can't say that that's growth because it's not technically growth. It's filling in the dirt hole to actually get back to water level there. That's all you're doing so while you can try and play and the reason I'm saying this and the reason it's so important Andy why does this even matter What, who cares economic growth is economic growth the reason we're saying this is because you're going to start seeing in the midterm elections with Democrats desperate to show some sort of uh, a nice little ribbon to hang on themselves nice little pat on the back for themselves something to say that they've done something during the first year of Democrats running everything this is all they have is not we've grown it's just we've been able to get back to square one we've been able to get back to water level we've been able to get back to uh, just the basic foundation and we're very proud of that. That's cool, but let's not talk about it as gross, shall we? It's a lie. It's a fabrication. It's misleading. The media does it. The Democrats do it very, very well and we got to call them out for when they actually do this garbage. Joe Pinion with Newsmax. He'll be joining us right after the bottom of the hour. Stay here.
0: The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Plus, you can directly send us a message on social media during the show to let me know your thoughts. Many already do, and it's a great chat room for all of our great listeners. And you can always sign up for the Patreon site to get exclusive content, maybe hear show products before we air them on the radio, and a lot more. And when you support us on Patreon, you also help the show be able to fight for conservative values each and every day. So it's a win-win. Just find us at Who's Your Reason on all of your social media platforms, or you can find a link to all of our social media sites on our website at HoosierReason.com. We know you're on social media already, so bring some reason into your day. Why? Because it's kind of the reasonable thing to do.
0: When Reason Meets Radio You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: I know I've bored you plenty on economic talks. I know. I get it. I get it. It's important, though. I'm telling you, this is a way, and I've said this many times before, this is the way to try and bring libertarians, bring conservatives, bring everybody united together under the Republican Party. To fight off the other side of the progressive lunacy because we don't have the ability or the luxury to debate social issues or the little things, the little minor things we differ on if we don't have an economy that's actually allowing us to do that because they can control us. It is the new form of Crazy tyranny and dictatorships when we're all in debt, we we all owe the government a buttload of money. They're going after the rich individuals. They try and you know divide us not only on uh, unfortunately all the identity politics garbage, but also when it comes to the economic divisions as well. Oh, you're rich, yeah, we need to tax you at eighty percent. Oh, you're poor, we need to give you goodies. Like this is weird, and they love the divide and conquer, and they do very very good at it on the progressive end of the aisle. So, to me, economic issues are some of the most important issues that we could address. So, But I'm done with that one. My brain hurts already. I'm already dealing with a headache today. So, uh, let's <laughs> move off that topic. I want to get right to our next guest. Super excited to chat with him, and I don't want to waste any time. What's trending today? You know, I have to admit, I love the energy. I love the momentum from the Republican side of the aisle going into midterm elections this year. I, I don't know that I've seen this much energy in a very long time in a midterm election. I mean, we're going on a year now of candidates that have been announcing all over the place, all over the country for congressional seats, for Senate seats, for governor's races, for attorney general's races in their states, for whatever. There's massive energy on the Republican side, and they're not just going for the easy seats and for the comfy seats. They're going for the very challenging ones, uh, which is fun. We just heard an announcement of someone trying to challenge Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. We'll see how that one goes. But in the state of New York as well, I'm really happy to have this guy on because he has officially announced his run to challenge Senator Chuck Schumer out of New York. Yeah, I know. And I would love to see this actually happen. He's actually on Newsmax as well, a a news reporter for Newsmax TV. I'm happy to have on the program with us here, Joe Pinion with us here. Joe, how are you, brother?
2: Good to be with you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. Glad to join you.
1: Yeah, it is great to have you on. I'm honored to chat with you. First off, congratulations on the announcement for run for U.S. Senate. How do you feel and what was the response when you made the announcement?
2: Well, absolutely. I mean, I think we've had a lot of enthusiasm. And as I've said, look, our campaign uh, is quite simple, uh, that there are too many Americans for whom the American dream is no longer a reality. And so when you look at this race, when you look at this country, I don't care if you're left of Bernie Sanders or right of Donald Trump, Chuck Schumer's fingerprints are on everything that has gone wrong in this nation that we love. And so for me, uh, the challenge of making the decision to leave the anchored desk from Newsmax, toss my hat into political arena, uh, was a very simple one because it's time that the people know that they have a chance to have a choice for the first time in 24 years in the United States Senate in the state of New York.
1: Amen to that. I can only imagine that voters in New York, and we have a lot of podcast listeners in New York, don't have any radio stations there yet, but we have a lot of listeners in New York, and uh, I can only imagine the frustration of New York voters, not only in just congressional districts, but in the Senate as a whole and the governorship as a whole, if they're in New York City with the with the mayor as a whole, that the fact that they, there are so many great conservative-minded, limited-government individuals in the state, but yet they don't have a whole lot of representation right now, and I can only imagine how frustrating that can get.
2: Well, absolutely. Well, I tell people concretely, uh, if voting for Democrats was the solution to all of New York's problems, New York wouldn't have any problems. Uh, We have been dealing with this mob mentality, tyranny of one party rule for far too long. And if you look at just something as basic as safety, uh, you look at all across this nation, 12 U.S. cities hit all time highs in homicide in the heart of New York, Uh, We had a 90 percent spike in shootings, a 30 percent spike in homicides because of what I call the three deadliest words in the modern history of American politics, defund the police. And so with Chuck Schumer, the argument against him is quite clear. He was elected to be the adult in the room. He allowed children uh, like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to hijack that conversation. And as a result, people died. Uh, They paid for the slimmest majority in Congress since World War II uh, with the blood of innocent civilians. And so we just need an America that works for people. Again, we need an America that empowers law enforcement to keep the law-abiding citizens of this nation safe. And when you confront the hard truth, that the 2021 being the deadliest year to wear a badge in the history of this nation, hundred four hundred and seventy six officers killed in the line of duty, 125 percent spike in ambush killings. Uh, you don't have to be a criminal expert to realize uh, that something is rotten in Denmark and something must be done to restore common-sense leadership to Washington, D.C. Yeah,
1: amen to that. I mean, we saw the report just a couple of days ago, and you read off some of those numbers that hate crimes are on the rise just in New York City alone with how long, how many years that Democrats have been running things and then with the Biden administration at the federal level as well uh, in the attack on law enforcement with law enforcement not just – I mean, what's the point of going out and trying to stop some of this And if I get attacked left and right with hate crimes on the rise? I mean, I would imagine that individuals and communities all over the place in, in larger cities like New York City and elsewhere around the country as well, that they're starting to realize, hey, wait a second. Uh, we're moving down this road that we thought we may have wanted, but it's not working out the way we thought it would be.
2: Well, look, I think that we have developed a political class that is incapable of saying those two uh, critical words. I'm sorry. Uh, We all know that people can do things in the interest of being well-intended that do not work out the way that we saw fit. But at the end of the day, uh, we have people who have lost their lives. We have – if we go talking about uh, financial issues, seniors who just received the largest increase in Social Security in a generation – who watched that increase be wiped out due to runaway inflation, because the politicians in D.C. are printing money like there is no tomorrow, debasing the value of the American dollar and the dream that those dollars were supposed to pay for. So again, when you can't find chicken wings in the freezer section at the grocery store, when you literally have to go to Dollar General only to follow out there is nothing for a dollar to be found, everyday hardworking Americans are finding it harder and harder to get their tiny sliver of... Of the American pie and the politicians who claim to stand for their freedoms and their rights uh, there are nowhere to be found because they are doing the bidding of the special interests and the political class while the rest of us deal with the scraps left behind.
1: Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with Joe Pinion uh, formerly with Newsmax TV. You can find him on the Tweety at at Joseph Pinion on there uh, running for the U.S. Senate Uh, seat in the state of New York. Let's talk economics here for just a minute. Obviously, New York has had a lot of big hits over the last couple of years with a lot of individuals on the wealthier end of the spectrum leaving the state because of the higher taxes that were not only in New York City, but in the New York state uh, just overall. And a lot of that money leaving the state, a lot of that revenue being lost. And I'm sure that's putting a lot of pressure on individuals there as well. What could we do to get that back? And I mean, we're seeing that not just in New York, but all over the country. Is that something that needs to be changed to try and incentivize people to start coming back to New York City?
2: Absolutely. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, you have individuals who can afford to leave, to your point, have left. Uh, the people who literally cannot afford to leave are stuck behind praying for a miracle. Uh, New York State has and always will be a working-class state filled with working class people with not nearly enough working class opportunities to be found right now, uh, because we are 19 million and shrinking as a result of policies uh, that do not work for the common man and the common woman. And so concretely, again, when you convince half of society uh, that there is such a thing as a free lunch, uh, my grandfather told me at a young age that just because someone's not sending you the bill doesn't make it free. The down payment on neglect Uh, is always free and the cost is inevitably too high to bear we are bearing that burden in New York and all across this country. Uh, people are dying. People are struggling. Jobs are not recovering, even though we spent six trillion dollars on COVID relief. that has very little to do with COVID. And while they want to talk about economic success in the final quarter, uh, over the entirety of this year, we have witnessed one of the slowest recoveries in the modern history of the world.
1: I'm glad you mentioned it because that's where I wanted to go next was, uh, of course, this headline today of 5.7 percent GDP growth for the end of 2021. One, you know, the largest, uh, you know, uh, GDP growth since Ronald Reagan in 1984. But it doesn't get us above the potential GDP growth and the outlook of what we were supposed to be at. It just puts us just under it, but almost back on track. Do you think this is going to be the big play? They have nothing else to run on. So the midterms, all the Democrats are going to say, oh, look at all this great GDP growth when we're not growing. We're just trying to get back to where we were before the pandemic.
2: Well, to be clear, uh, I I would simply ask the average American, do you feel better off this quarter than you did in January? (laughs) And when the average American uh, is dealing with those costs at the pump, American citizens paying $400 million additional in fuel costs every single day versus where we were a year ago when chicken tenders at the diner are 15 million. Uh, when you literally can't even find uh, chicken tenders in the freezer section because of supply chain issues. All of these things are the substance of a reality that is a nightmare for the hardworking American family. So if Americans feel as if the economy is booming for them. They're probably in a different tax bracket than the common working class blue collar Americans. But everyday people, the people who make up the backbone of this nation, they know that their eyes are not lying to them, that their bank account is not lying to them, that everything they need to survive costs more than it did before. And that is big trouble for the Democrats who want to pretend that all of this, is just a figment of our
1: imagination. Joe, you'll take a, uh, you'll giggle at this one, but I had someone on social media just yesterday tell me that uh, me saying that the economy was decimated under COVID was a complete fabrication and that it was a demonization of Joe Biden because it didn't actually happen and we're seeing massive economic growth and that the economy did not take a hit during COVID. I had, had a hard time drinking anything yesterday without spitting out laughing. It's uh, Joe Pinion, candidate for U.S. Senate out of the state of New York. Find him on the Tweety, at Joseph Pinion. You on there as he goes throughout the state on the campaign trail Joe we're out of time my friend good luck on the campaign trail I'd love to talk to you again here real soon
2: thank you so much my friend everyone can go to www.joepinion.com as well
1: joepinion.com is the website go and check it out Joe we appreciate it my friend we'll get you back on here again real soon gotta take a break wrapping up the show one more segment left when we come back here on a pre Friday celebration for The Voice of Reason stay here
0: The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back
1: to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Last few minutes here on the show before we wrap up. Again, it goes by way too fast. I don't care what anybody else says. The fastest hour of radio on radio. Trying to have a little fun doing the thing. Thanks again to Joe Pinion coming on the program. JoePinion.com. Also, find him on the Tweety at Joseph Pinion. We appreciate his time very much running. Tony, that's going to be a tough one. They're running against Chuck Schumer. That is a... Her, I, I'd like to call it a purple state. They say it's a blue state. I like to say it's a purple state because there is an opportunity for Republicans to really start making some ground, especially with all the ridiculously horrible policies they have where a lot of people on the other side of the aisle are just waking up and not wanting to deal with that crap. So, New York, we're here for you. I may be based out of Wichita, Kansas, but we love the state of New York. I am dying to go to New York. One of these times I will get out there and I want to do what I can to help out those elections. So, hopefully that uh, uh, that interview was informative to you in some way, shape, or form. There's another topic that we love to talk about on this program, apparently. What's trending today? And I kind of want to leave you on a positive note today, as there is some good news for those workers that are still dealing with COVID-19 vaccine mandates from their businesses. Now, first off, if you remember, the Biden administration has been over two in the last two months on Biden on vaccine mandates. One with the Supreme Court shooting down the OSHA mandates and two with the Texas court uh, or the Texas judge that shot down the uh, vaccine mandate for private employee or private workers. Or I'm sorry, federal workers and uh, contractors, federal contractors. And now I'm sure that's being challenged, maybe taken to the Supreme Court or another court and somewhere, and they'll try to overturn that in some way, shape, or form. But as of right now, those have been shot down. So if a business is mandating a vaccine on their own, it's on their own. It's not they can't hide behind it as well. The government's telling us to do so. It's not happening. That's coming down from a business, private business. Now, What happens? Well, you can make the choice to either continue to get the vaccine and work for them or to leave. But there's a third option that I want to remind individuals that there is out there to really makes the vaccine mandates if a business is choosing to do so irrelevant and completely obsolete. And that is by being able to qualify and apply for a medical or a religious exemption. Which, again, shows the stupidity of making a mandate like this because you're not going to get it every single person. And if it's not going – if you say everybody needs to do it and then not everybody is able to do it, then that makes the entire purpose irrelevant. Again, any mandate, if you, that was the dumb part of the vaccine or the mask mandates so at the beginning of the pandemic, if you remember, when they're like, all right, we're going to start mandating masks. You cannot walk into any place unless you have a mask, unless you have a medical exemption because you have anxiety or you have some sort of claustrophobia or if you're a kid under five years old. And I, of course, the perfect response was, wait a second. Um, I'm pretty sure that the the virus can still get you if you have a claustrophobia or if you have a medical issue from wearing a mask or if you're under five years old. Why are they exempt? So either it's all or nothing, because that's stupid, if you have some sort of exemption in some way, shape, or form. Then it's completely irrelevant and it misses the entire point. The same goes with the vaccine mandate. It's irrelevant if you have someone actually advocating for a religious or medical exemption. So here's the good news. You can actually do that. There is a, a bill out of South Dakota now from Governor Christy Noem, big fan of her. I think she needs to be more involved at the federal level as well and make some uh, big grounds. But she has now uh, introduced a vaccine bill that really reaffirms the fact and guarantees a medical or religious exemption for COVID-19 vaccines. Meaning, and we we did this here in the state of Kansas as well, meaning that if you try to apply for one, a lot of businesses were either denying your religious or medical exemption, or they were wanting you to create like some 20-page report proving from your church or from your doctor that you actually need this exemption. And they have no right to do so in any way, shape, or form to, get, to actually make you verify yourself in your private life. They don't have the right to do that. It is illegal. The laws are already on the books for you to have the right to a medical or religious exemption in some way, shape, or form, without having to guarantee it or without it being denied by your by your private employer. So, just like Second Amendment issues, we've kind of had to go out of our way to reaffirm and guarantee these religious or medical exemptions. Christy Nome has uh, introduced it in the state of North, uh, South Dakota. In the state of Kansas, we've already passed it. We actually called together a special session here in our state and passed it back in October. Uh, October, November, whenever it was, and to where it's guaranteed. If you file for a medical or religious exemption for the COVID-19 vaccine to your business, they have to accept it. So the vaccine mandate, although it is in places in certain businesses and it's unfortunate, and I still think those are probably illegal in some way, shape or form, or at least extremely morally wrong, you have it out. That's good news. Your little tidbit for COVID. I had a listener that doesn't like us on the other side of the aisle say, can you go an entire show without saying COVID? No so there you go <laughs> we just said it for him. you have good news that was the good news of the day to get you off into the sunset for the afternoon here on a pre-friday celebration back at it tomorrow we have a great guest tomorrow also lined up all next week as well let's get you set for the weekend baby that's what we're all about until then it's your show it's time for you to speak up speak out speak loud speak proud speak the truth and always speak some reason this is the voice reason i'm andy Hoosier. we'll see you on the radio tomorrow